1: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver.
2: I kinda like the high five, but if you wanna hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary, ETW approved, prohibited by law, See terms and conditions, 18+. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring
2: Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name is Dan Huff from Twickenham CC. Um, very pleased to be with you today with two um, t- two cricket badges of very different types. I think um, first up, my um, my usual partner in crime, Salman Ali from North London. Hi, Sal. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Dan. I'm just happy that we've actually completed one whole year of the podcast. So looking forward to our special podcast today to celebrate that.
2: Yeah, it is a year, isn't it? You're right, 20, 20-odd episodes, is that right? 23 episodes, yeah, I, did I see I think see it's some? number 25, I think, now, actually. Decent. De- well, I say decent. That's an awful lot of hot air that we've been uh, coming out, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, over the last few months. But there we go. Um, and also really pleased to be able to to mention um, former international cricketer, test cricketer, ODI cricketer, current Middlesex coach, uh, Stuart Law. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Dan, Sell, Um Very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, really pleased that you, you could make it, actually. I mean, I'm looking out my window and it's absolutely caning it down outside. The, the last <laughs> thing in, in the world on any, any normal person's mind will be cricket, actually, because none is going to be played here. Where, where are you, Stuart? I assume you're in the UK, right?
0: I am in the UK. I, I live here now. Um, we moved over about two and a half, nearly three years ago now. So, um, yeah, basically moved back. Um, how could I not want to move back from Australia to, to England as sample the, the perfect British weather? Um, but, yeah, no, I'm in London at the moment. Um, I've got a got a couple of meetings this week, so i just planning for uh, Middlesex's um, you know, pre-season and season going forward.
2: Super, super. Just going to kick off. I mean, I was looking around at your, your career. I, I note that you're the most successful captain ever in Australian domestic cricket. I presume you were aware of that. Um, yeah, I have been. I have been made aware of it. Um, it
0: hurts a lot of the New South Welshmen when uh, you mention that a Queenslander is the most successful. But it is <laughs> there, there is a there is a stipulation to it. I'm the most successful since the inception of the final um, that was brought into you know. Work out the the winner of the competition um, at the end of the season. So, ever since the final was introduced, I am the I am the most successful captain. So, New South Wales said no. There would have been captains before that won it for you know fifteen years on the trot because there was no other team other than New South Wales. Um, but that was back in the nineteen hundreds. Um, I played a little bit later than that. Mate.
2: <laughs> and if, what's five Sheffield Shields? Then is it? is that right that you managed to captain Queensland to? To, to yeah sure. the big the big one the big one was after 69 years of trying
0: uh the first ever sheffield shield uh the five-day tournament that is um or the four-day tournament um culminating in a five-day final similar to the bob willis trophy this year um yeah captured five of those and two one-day trophies as well in a in a 10-year
2: period that is decent so, that is a decent very effort.
0: very very proud of it very proud to be the first captain to to win the shield for queensland and you know, it still sits pretty, pretty high on the list of achievements that I I got to. Um, I was lucky enough to to gain, and um, we still celebrate as a team uh, every year, uh, as typical Queenslanders do. We don't let go of things too easily, um, and we get together. We celebrate with a massive lunch at the Gabba and um, drink a few beers and tell a few lies and
2: reminisce about the good old days. That sounds like Twickenham CC on a Saturday night. Although we're not talking about (laughs) Sheffield Shield victories, you know, every cricket club in the country should be like that. I think that's exactly the way it should be. Um, But where did it all begin, though, Stu? I mean, most of our our listeners will know plenty about your, you know, your your achievements in the game. But where where did it all begin? What's your first memories of playing cricket?
0: Uh, Well, basically, I was born with a cricket bat in my hand. Um, My grandfather's, my uncle's, my my father uh, were all very good cricketers. Um, So I I, I had no real no real choice, to be honest. But um, yeah, I was born with a cricket bat in my hand. Um, and it got to when I was about five years of, years of age. My grandfather, before the war too, was a pretty handy tennis player. Um, and I don't know whether this was just you know, embellished quite a lot, or whether it was actual fact that um, if it hadn't have been for the war, he would have played Davis Cup tennis for Australia. Um, so pretty, pretty handy with a with a bat. Pretty handy with a leg spin delivery and with the bat as well um sorry tennis racket um he, he took me outside my mum and dad's house one afternoon when I was you know five years old and said right here's a cricket bat here's a tennis racket put him up against the back fence in the yard and looked at me and said right pick one I'll teach you how to play it um and had me pick the cricket bat <laughs> for some reason <laughs> um but I just wanted I just wanted to play cricket ever since I, I could walk ever since I could you know, breathe. I wanted to play cricket for Australia, and you know, it uh, it was a long, long, it's still going a long love affair with the game of cricket. Um, so that's where it all began, mate, in the backyard. at in uh, Stafford Heights, in Brisbane City, and you know, um, things moved on from then.
2: Fantastic, and and I mean Queensland. I always I, I am for my sins a rugby league fan, so of course you know one of the great there sport locations yeah. in the world is a state of origin. I mean, it's just a fantastic tournament so, so rugby league ever on the agenda or, or or not really um rugby league yeah I played rugby league at uh when when I
0: was at school um summertime was cricket uh time was rugby league um there was no really other no real other sports AFL was big but only in the southern states at this particular time and um it was only just starting to trickle up up north um so it was rugby league and mate I learned from a very young age that I wasn't very good at rugby league um you know I played in, out in the centers I remember trying to tackle the the opposition center I was only a little kid when I was at school and this kid looked like you know he'd been shaving for about 6 months and um yeah. you know built like a you know brick shit house uh, out, the, out the back yeah. of the old house um he ran at me I thought no you can go straight through son um and after that <laughs> afternoon I realized um cricket cricket was probably more my speed and um where I was uh, probably going <laughs> to Going to make more of a fist of it, but um, i still got a deep passion for, for rugby league. I, I sit down, I'm, I'm watching the NRL at the moment, um, you know, coming up to the finals yeah. series, the grand final in a couple of weeks' time, and then the state of origin on after that. So uh, I'll be getting my maroon jersey on, mates, and uh, cheering the boys on.
2: Fantastic. I mean, what, one of the things I always wonder is, are there any people from Queensland who would su- support New South Wales and vice versa? Because I've never got close to meeting anyone from either of those states who's, <laughs> yeah. who's committed that act of betrayal.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so. There's been many of my – I've got a, one of my best mates back home. He, he came from New South Wales to play cricket for Queensland, and at that time he was a New South Wales supporter. But uh, it took about 10 years, but we finally got him putting a maroon jumper on and supporting the uh, the banana <laughs> benders. So um, much to the disgust of his old man, we um, we got him cheering for Queensland.
2: That's about the only one I know of, though, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sal, bring us back to sanity. Um, you wanted to come in on on Stu's test career, right?
1: Yeah, so Stu, obviously you had a fantastic um, first-class career playing for Queens and lo- loads of runs year in year out. And unfortunately, using that sort of golden era, Watson wasn't you when Australia had obviously these guys who were scoring runs week in week out—the wars, the Boons, the Taylors, etc. But you did manage to get one test, and obviously um, people don't know you actually haven't got an average because he scored fifty-four not out, <laughs> having replaced Steve Waugh. What was your recollection of that test match itself? Sri was it against, wasn't it?
0: It was against Sri Lanka, um, you know, it's every, it was my dream to, to you know, we get taking the mickey out of the Aussies, you know, for, you know, saying, talking about the baggy green cap. Um, I think even now Shane Warne started to take the mickey out of the Aussies for talking about the baggy green, but, um, you know, I, it was an emotional time, um, always wanted to play cricket for Australia, play test cricket for Australia. Um, and the moment arrived, you know, you, this day and age is a bit different, um, you get the cap presentations, you, you get all the, the, the bells and whistles that goes with it. Um, I remember getting selected, um, having a chat to the chairman of selectors, Trevor Holmes at the time. He said, mate, yeah, pack your bags, you're off to Perth, you're going to play in the first test, Steve Wars injured, um, make it difficult for us to drop you. And I thought, okay, no worries, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, the next day, uh, a cardboard box, you know, a big cardboard box turns up on your doorstep with all your, your playing kit in it, um, I took out. The shirts, uh, the jumpers, um, hats, and whatever, and they're right at the bottom of this cardboard box was my baggy green. So that's how I got delivered my baggy green cap. Um, there wasn't any, you know, celebration or um, speech from an ex-player um, inviting you or welcome you into the the family. You know, the long journey, the hard work's paid off. No, there it was stuck at the bottom of a cardboard box, mate. So board of the plane. Um, you know, we 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 bowled first. I remember that bowling Sri Lanka out for two hundred and thirty, and then we batted. Uh, I came in at a crisis. We were well four for <laughs> four hundred and fifty or something like that. Um, with I managed to uh, you know, put on a partnership with Ricky Ponting, um, who was also on debut. And I think um, you know me being fifty four not out. I'd rather have been given out LBW when it hit me in the in the in the chest, but. Um, as Ricky was on 96, which, heartbreaking for him, um, I did my best to try and turn my back on the dressing room when uh, Ricky's wicket was given, being 54, not out the other end. I thought, geez, you know, here's my chance to, to bat on and score 100 on my debut, bad luck, Rick, move over. I've got a chance. And Mark Taylor, you know, pulled up stumps and said, that's it. Uh, we're declaring. Um, and the other thing is, mate, um, we won with a day to spare. So if he had to give me another hour and a half, I would have got there. But anyway, that's another story, mate. Very proud to have played cricket for Australia. People say I should have played a hell of a lot more. Um, at times, I probably didn't score the runs at the right time. Uh, having scored plenty anyway, um, didn't score runs at the right time when selections were up for uh, up for review. And you know, other people got the nod. A lot of a lot of conspiracy theories going on, and you know, I've had a few as well. But mate, all I can say is very proud and very pleased that you know I got to represent my country and. You know, play as well as I could.
2: You are aware, though, Stu, If, you, if you'd have scored fifty-four not out for one of the England sides in the mid nineteen nineties, you're not just kept your place. You'd have probably been captain. You know, <laughs> the, the standard of some of our batting in that period—you you know, no matter whether those conspiracy theories are true or not—you you know, you're clearly a bit unlucky there, aren't you? That's that's just a guess. Well, if, the way, yeah, it goes. If I'd have been,
0: if I had been playing for Australia nowadays and got fifty-four not out, I'd be almost captain. So um, that's the way. It, <laughs> that's the way it goes, mate. The, yeah, you know, the game's moved on. The game's changed completely. The selection process is completely, you know, different. Some say it's, you know, it's moved forward. Others say it hasn't moved anywhere. It's probably gone backwards, if if anything. Um, but you know, the the two the two teams, England, I think, are ahead at the moment of Australia in the way they they go about their cricket. Um. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the next Asher series. should be a should be an absolute cracker.
2: I think it will. I mean, from an, as an outsider looking in, I don't know about you, Sal, but I think our bowlers look a bit Australian, uh, a bit more Australian than they do English at times. And, and, and I'll be really interested to see how some of these quicker boys go on the, the Australian wickets. Is that, is that how you see it, is, Yeah, I do.
0: Uh, I mean, Australia held it, they held they, they, they the ashes at the moment and, you know, they had a bit of a redemption theme going, you know, after Cape Town, the incident in Cape Town and what have you. But, mate, to be honest, um, you know – I think the teams are very, very evenly matched. Um, Australia came over and played really well, and you know, probably, probably deserved to win that series in the Ashes. Um, now, look, I, I agree with you, Mark Wood. You know, now that he's he's become more of a permanent fixture around the Test side, and Jofra Archer, obviously, with his pace, um, when he when he wants to bowl quick, he, he bowls very quick. Um, Mark Wood doesn't have, you know, he's got nothing in between, flat out, um, and none. Uh, there's nothing there, so um, you know he's he's super quick. Ben Stokes, I think, is the is the key for England. Once he you know gets fully fit and ready to go, um, you know cut, throw those three guys into a team, add you know either Anderson or Broad, and you've got a pretty steady set steady team. Chris Wokes has done nothing wrong either. He's become very very dependable, and you know if they can coax Adil Rashid out of white ball cricket back into red ball cricket, I think they've got a pretty pretty handy attack there. And their banning's mm. not far away, you know. Um, I, I don't know what you guys think, but, you know, even me just sitting around watching cricket, Ben Fokes, you know, plays for Surrey.
2: Oh, yeah. God.
0: Yeah. Um, he's, he's played only a handful of test matches. First test match, got 100 on DeBerwin, man of the man of the match, man of the series in Sri Lanka, and hasn't been seen since. I, I, I just think either he – people just don't see what other people see in that kid or – he must be one hell of a horrible person, but I've <laughs> met him, well, I've spoken to him, and he—he he seems like an absolute champion. So I, I don't know what that kid's got to do, um, other than just you know keep his head down and score runs. But my God, he's—if he's not the best keeper in the country, um, keeper batsman in the country, well I'll, I'll I'll hold my hands up, eat my hat, do whatever you want to do, do because <laughs> yeah. he, he should he should be playing.
2: Well, you know the line—the line is about the batting, isn't it? or at least it looks that way from where I am. And, and I saw a 90-second clip of him on Twitter playing at 20 innings earlier this year. And, I, it, you know, it, it could have been Josh Butler. He's smashing it everywhere. And the boy can bat. Uh, and I don't know, doesn't add up to me.
0: Well, I get the change, um, the, the mindset in white white ball cricket. I get that he probably hasn't got the power that, you know, the Butlers and the Bear Stoes have got. I, I understand that. But he should be the test, test keeper. Um, mm. I, I think that a lot of... A lot of, you know, Adam Gilchrist has got a lot to answer for, hasn't he? You know, he's, he's ruined it for the modern-day <laughs> cricketer. Yep. Um, you know, if you don't average 45-plus as a keeper, you're, you're not very good. Um, you know, that was – we're all trying to find the next – well, England is still trying to find the next Ian Botham. You'll never find another Ian Botham. Um, not, we'll, Australia will never find another Shane Warne. Um, they're once-in-a-generation cricketer. Adam Gilchrist is the same. You know, if you're not picking your best keeper – you're going to struggle to win games of cricket, particularly in the longer format when, you know, tiredness comes in on the last last couple of days. And day three, day four is when you really put the foot on the throat. If a catch goes down, a missed stumping, run out, whatever it might be, your keeper's not on top. You know, and the runs that he scores would be invaluable. Um, you know, you're going to lose a lot of games of cricket. So, mate, Ben, folks, mate, he's he's obviously done he's something mad. wrong. He's got... He's done something wrong to selectors or captain or whatever it is because I think I'm not the only one. There's a few guys around the world thinking he should be playing every game of test cricket for, for England.
2: Yep. But, and I think that's that's certainly what Sal and I have, have, have heard and talked about over the over the years. The best keeper often doesn't seem to get the gig anymore and, and you do wonder what he makes of it all. Um, I was going to ask you, Sal, one trivia question
1: for you. Obviously, Stu played the one game. How many other players do you reckon have played one game of test cricket? I think he might be the only one actually could be a good quiz question for anyone who wants to put Chris together but I'm sure Stu is the only player that I know of who's played um, one test and actually not had an average which he currently holds at the moment yes that's right I think, <laughs> yeah, I, think I think that there's not many done that but in terms of
2: one one test match there's, there's 451 so that's a hell of a lot of people right I guess the it's game's been around good. a fair few years but but I, I was going to guess at 100 150 maybe it's 451 Did, were you aware of that Stu probably not you've got more of a life no, monster, I guess no right. Mate, no idea.
0: I had no idea about how many guys that played one test. I was, you know, can't imagine there were too many guys as well as filthy as I was about only playing one. But there's 450 of them.
2: <laughs> yep, you're not alone. Although, as Sal says, not. I think you know, you know, there's got to be no more than a handful who've got um who've got no average. That's that's a great great add on to that. Moving forward, I was going to ask you about the coaching. Was it a seamless transition? did you always know that coaching was going to be the next step, or did you sort of just stumble into it? Uh, I basically stumbled into it, um, you know, playing my uh, – having played 14 seasons of
0: county cricket, um, you know, got to play with and against some, some great great players from around the world and, um, you know, play with a great Matthias murli Duran up, up at Lancashire. Um, and when I'd finished uh, my, my cricket at lengths uh, in 2000 and, uh, 2008, um, I, I – John Morris gave me a call and said, look, I need you to come in and do a job for me at Derby here. I, I said, look, mate, I'm gone. I, I can't play anymore, mate. I haven't done a pre-season. I'll be nowhere for you. He goes, no, I don't, it's not about, you know, your your runs or your work on the field. It's about helping these young kids develop and blah, blah, blah. And I went, look, mate, I can't just come in in February, March, and then, you know, start it. He goes, no, no, I really need your help. So I, I went down and, and thought he, – he, I went down and said, okay, Johnny, I'll give you – I'll give you – Three months. i signed a white ball contract, ended up playing two four-day games, which ended up being a big mistake. But anyway, from there, I realised after the second game of four-day cricket that I shouldn't be here. Um, I, basically, my body had switched off. Um, I wasn't putting in the, the, the amount of time and the amount of effort I needed to, to produce the cricket. So I knew that time was at the end. Um, Murley gave me a call out of the blue and just said, look, our Paul uh, farbrace it was, our uh, assistant coach has left the team. Um, it was just after they got shot at in in Lahore. Um, so Paul Farbrace had shrapnel on the forearm and said, that's it, I'm out, not going back to, to Coach Sri Lanka. And it was a two-year period up, leading up to a, a World Cup in 2011. Uh, Murley said, would you like the job? assistant coach, I'll have a word to Trevor Bayliss, who was the head coach. I said, yeah, mate, okay, fair enough. Sounds sounds great. Um, so Trevor Bayliss then gave me a call and said, look, mate, we'd, we'd really like you to come on board. Um, talk to talk to the board at Sri Lanka and sort your deal out. And I said, okay, no worries. So I'm, I'm actually about to sign a, a contract with Middlesex at the time to become their batting coach. So this is in 2009. Um, and I just walked out of the office after agreeing with Gus Fraser that, you know, I'll be doing, you know, how many ever days it was through, throughout the year. And the car on the way home, I get the call from Trevor Baylor saying, look, we want you to come. So I ring Gus straight away and said, look, mate, I've been offered to go and coach Sri Lanka two years into a World Cup, working with some of the best players under one of the best coaches. And he goes, mate, don't worry about it. You go and enjoy. We'll... We'll try and hook up again later, funny enough, and that's that's now happened as well. So you could say I stumbled into it. Um, it's good knowing good people in the right places at the right time, um, but also what a what a great learning experience going to live in a different culture, work in a different culture under one of the best coaches, um, you know, in the world, uh, and to look after some of the greatest players, you know, working closely with guys like Sanger Kara, Mahalo Jaya Wardner, Lassith, Malenga Murley. Um you know, I thought I didn't really understand it at the moment at that time, but you know, looking back, it was a it was a great way to start and you know, learn a lot about, you know, how to deal with different different characters, different people. Um the language barrier was one, they understood English, so I didn't understand a word of singular. Um and when they got angry they spoke in their their native tongue and kept you right out of the <laughs> right out of the picture. So you know, you had to you had to learn very quickly. But all in all, I can say that uh, falling into a job and you know growing to love it uh, over the last ten, eleven years has been uh, it's been quite a journey. So glad it's uh, glad it's one I, I took on and you know accepted the challenge. And you know I haven't done it easy through my coaching career. I've gone to some far out places, some you know different cultures, and thoroughly enjoyed every every second of it. Made some great friends.
2: And I was i was going to ask about the next step because, I mean, Bangladesh would probably be a different set of challenges, right? Now, I mean, I spent a little bit of time in Bangladesh a few years back and um, Bangladesh is a cricket-mad country. Bangladesh should have won a Cricket World Cup, right? Bangladesh, you know, everything about Bangladesh is are cricket-mad. And yet it's not quite gone that way over the last 20 years, has it? I mean, what was your experience of leading leading a team that represents a country that's so besotted with the game?
0: Mate, you're 100% right. They should have won. Uh, with a population of 162 million, um, you know, there, there's enough talent in that part of the world. Um, you know, there's there's other factors that contribute to, you know, the way that they're brought up, um, their, their physiques, their their body compositions. Um, you know, a lot of them are mal, malnutritioned. Um, they haven't got the clean drinking water that we take for granted walking up to a tap here. Um so look they they, they do struggle. Um, even even the really wealthy out there still have the same same issues that sure, you know, the people yeah. who are you know poverty stricken um, have with without the clean water and you know lack of food at times or the right foods um, to to build a a, a high performing athlete but you know they they've got so much talent and I think people misconstrue you know talent um, and brute strength. You know, everyone sees a talented cricketer this day and age, you can hit a ball for six, 20 rows back. And that's not necessarily the case, you know. It's not – that doesn't mean you're talented. That means you you can hit a ball a long way. These guys, you know, they played a different game. They had to play a smart game and, you know, they, they were still turning up to games of cricket, um, you know, really in awe of the opposition. Um, Pakistan was – we called them the big brother, you know, because – everyone looked up to the Pakistan team if you're in Bangladesh. You know, Shahid Afridi is a king or a god in in Bangladesh, um, not, not just in cricket but in, in general life because, you know, they just look up to the Pakistanis. Um, you know, every time we played Pakistan, it was all like, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full. And, you know, that was a, that was a mindset and a, a, a challenge we had to, you know, put in front of the players. So, look, no. Don't, don't worry about that they're just as frightened of you playing playing a game of cricket get out there and show them how you can play go and enjoy your game of cricket don't worry about what they're doing or don't worry about who's bowling the ball um you know and they they, they embrace that and I think from from that moment I was there in 2012 and I think from that moment they've really you know started to think we can beat we can beat any opposition now and that's the way they should think because mate, there, there's so much so much talent over there I've been to tournaments there where they played four teams uh, from Bangladesh to in a trial series to to pick a squad of you know fifteen for a for a one day or a, or a test match series. So that's four teams, and it, very hard to pick the, the 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 four batters or the sorry the six batsmen and the the four bowlers and, and the wicketkeeper. You know who it, it's just very hard to to, to drag blokes because um, they're all very closely closely matched. So. You know, hopefully in, in years to come, you know, they, they start showing uh, real progress and, you know, with the the advent of, um, you know, you're seeing Shaqib Alassane playing in the IPL, um, Mushfiq Rahim should be playing in the IPL. Uh, once those guys start, you know, getting that sort of accolade and the young kids coming through realise their potentials, Jesus, they, they, there's, the sky's a limit for them really. Um, and they're, they're really well run. The borders. People would think there'd be a shambles, but no, it's not. They're, they're really, really well run as a board as well. Um, they've got some very smart cookies in behind the scene, and as I say, it's not about brute strength there, cricket. It's about you know being smarter than the opposition, and they've got to do things differently um, both on and off the field. And I reckon they got good people in good places. So, look, it was it was great fun. I, I really enjoyed my time. You know, Daka was confronting um, as as a place to live.
2: Uh, <laughs> confronting, I like, I, I, I like that. I like that. I had, to, right. I had to
0: live there for twelve months. Um, you know, one of my most, worst experiences was you know, I lived in a, you know, the top floor apartment in a building, and I remember one night waking up in the middle of the night, um, you know, pooing my pants because the bed was shaking like a, There was some bloke standing at the bottom of the thing shaking it, and it was a bloody earthquake. You know, the fans banging, you know, f- um, fan to, uh, side to side, banging on the ceiling. I didn't know what was going on, and you know, not long after that, there was another earthquake and, you know, a building collapsed and it killed 30,000 workers. So, you know, yeah, to live in yeah. places like that, um, to get up and walk the streets where well, you're not really supposed to, but get up and walk the streets, um, was it was eye-opening and it was great fun. I, I really enjoyed
2: it. Fantastic. I mean, I, I could talk about Bangladesh for hours, but I won't. We should bring it a bit closer to home. Of course, you've been in post at uh, Middlesex for a couple of years now. now and, you had a couple of questions on
1: that, didn't you? Yeah, sure. sure. Actually, just before we carry on at that point, we did have a guy from Tower Hamlet's on to do a couple of weeks back who spoke about the passion within their club. And that's interesting to see you know, what you said about Bangladesh itself as a country. It seems to marry in and time what he was saying about their club. So it's obviously being replicated mm. in this country as well, which is good Good to hear because obviously there's I abundance mean. of talent available, isn't there? So, you know, hopefully uh, one of these Tower Hamlet's guys could potentially become with Expo. Who knows in the future? Um, I want to Not ask sure. actually about yeah about your sort of winter plans for your players and what what does it what does it winter entail for a coach of a, of a county side? And also, just want to ask a question. Um, obviously you played grade cricket back in back in Australia, and um, we all know over here how strong grade cricket, the quality of it. We know whenever overseas player arrives in our league, for instance, they do tend to be of a very high quality if they come from Sydney grade or one of the other grades in Australia. Do you encourage hmm. your players to go abroad and sort of like get some experience during the winter playing grade cricket? And is that something that you organise, or do they, do they set that up themselves?
0: No, look, they they they're pretty well connected these days. Our boys, um, you know, we 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 do encourage them to go away and play. I, I'm a big believer that you don't learn cricket by you know playing in the nets and you know having sterile bowling machine batting sessions. You actually learn how to score runs in difficult situations by out there scoring runs in difficult situations. There's no people say you've got to replicate you know match conditions and match situations at training. You, you can never do that. Um, 100 percent um so we encourage our players to go away um we we devise a plan for them before they leave um at the end of each season we sit down with every player individually and we go through you know the season that's just happened um and you know we pick out points that you know we as a coaching group we think that they need to you know really take care on and um understand uh that they need to improve in certain areas and then um you know physically they need to Present very well. Come the the time that they, if they do go away and they come back, they've got to be back for March one. Um, if they don't present in a in a state that um, you know where we find acceptable, um, and our S and C guys will you know make sure those targets are hit. Um, and if they're not, well, they've got some questions to answer, and that might be a you know a, a rap on the knuckles or a, a fine out of there. You know, take some money off, and that that always hurts a lot more than um, anything else. So. You know we do. We do take great care. Um, you know cricket's become such a, a big business now, and you know uh, it, it's it's results based. Um, you know, looking back over the last couple of years, Middlesex we probably haven't achieved what uh, the talent in the room should have achieved um, for whatever reason. Um, so we'll we'll let our players. You know, we we basically give them October off after a big season. We give them off. Um, you know to to rest and recover. Those that need operations, will get them done now, and their recovery will start in November, um, so they can be ready to go do- doing cricket in January, February. Um, so that's basically that's basically it. Right now, we're we're different, Middlesex, um, in the sense that we don't have a training ground, we don't have somewhere to call our own, we don't have our own ground, we don't have our own dressing rooms, um, so we can't just turn up one morning on a Monday leave our kit in our locker, leave it all there, um, go home, come back the next day and it's all still there. We, we're we nomadic. So we, we've got to make do with what we've got at the moment. And, you know, we probably have one, two, three, sometimes four training bases where we need to be at at different times. And, you know, to, to, choreo- <laughs> to be the choreographer of that is quite difficult um, to make it work. But one thing we do have, we've got a pretty resilient and, you know, Hard-working staff that understand these predicaments, and you know, we've now made a pact that you know other coaches, other systems have come in and said that you know this isn't good enough. Uh, I'm out. How do you expect us to perform? But look, it's it's it was great for it was okay for the teams in yesteryear to go out and win championships, and you know, very proud history at Middlesex. Um, I, I see no reason why that can't be the reason why we're not playing good cricket is because we're not training at um, a ground. During winter time, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can do to to get ready to play cricket, and that's all you got to do. And the the bottom line is playing better cricket out on the out in the middle on a you know Saturday afternoon, come April right through the end of September. That's what really counts. Whether they do that by going away or they stay here, and fitness starts in a couple of weeks' time, ninth of November, the boys are reporting back to they get smashed for seven weeks straight. So it's not a not a particularly nice time of the year. Um, it's okay for the coaching stuff. We get to sit there and watch most of it, um, uh, and, and obviously add a bit of hand of encouragement here and there. But um, that's where we're at at the moment. We we've just got to sit down. We, I'm I'm down for meetings this week. We've got to work out you know our preseason plan once we understand what Boris has given us um, today. Um, what we can and can't do. How many gr- How many in a group and uh at what venue we're we're allowed to do it at so um at the moment we're we're up in the air but we have a we have a plan
2: that we we will stick to
0: um we just got to find places where we can go and uh do our bits and pieces
2: well best of luck in trying to interpret the government's advice on that Stuart. if you can do let us all know because we haven't got a clue either what we're supposed to be doing so um <laughs> so yeah best of luck there I, I was gonna ask you about the summer because I'm i'm guessing that you got a long run into this, haven't you? As you say, before Christmas, you do X, Y, Z. January, February, it becomes something else. But once the cricket starts, it must be mayhem, right? You, you've got different tournaments. You've got some that are four days. You've got some that are about five minutes long. Um, you know, <laughs> different cricket, different coloured balls. How, how do you get preparation right for that when it must all hit you at once, really, right?
0: Yeah, it does. I, I think at times, we ourselves, you know, we make more of it than what it actually is you know yeah you play with different colored cricket balls but still a bloody cricket ball um just changes color um
1: you know i'm i'm a big believer
0: i'm a big believer mate your best players are your best players and and they'll adapt to the different formats yeah you might have to teach you know some players different shots to a keep everyone happy because they they need to be you know showing that they can do something different but I'd rather see players just concent- our players just concentrate on the basics, doing them do the basics better than everyone else. If we did the basics, we're, we're a bloody good cricket team. It's when we try and get away from the basics and try and, you know, take the game to another level is when we, you know, fall down. And I, 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 that's not just Middlesex. I reckon that's, that's games around well, – players around the world. Um, you know, I'm sure you've been watching the IPL recently and, you know, there's, there's batters in there who are trying to play every shot before they actually get started. Um, yeah, yeah. I have one thing in in, in our T20 stuff with our boys. I said, if you want to play a reverse sweep, that's great. I'm happy for you to do it. Get to 30 first before you do it, you know. Make sure you score on your runs first, do the do what the team needs, and then you know, you can expand on that once you get the opportunity. Um, you know, four day cricket, you know, we, we 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 just want our players to bat you know 100 balls, you know, those basics. If we do them, you know, we. If a batsman bats 100 balls, we're we winning games, you know, because our bowling attack will will take wickets no matter what. Um, so, mate, that's, that's basically it. I, I, I don't like to think that, you know, you need a different technique for red ball, different technique for white ball. You need to change certain things, but it's not a drastic measure like changing a technique. It's just changing your mental attitude and your tempo. That's all it is. You, you've got to score at a faster yeah. rate the, the less overs you got. Um if you're keeping it very simple like that, it's very, very hard to get cluttered, uh, and very easy to stay clear. And once you're clear in the mind, um, you perform you know—very, very well.
2: That's really interesting. I have to say. I mean, I guess in the, if in doubt, it's see ball, hit ball. It doesn't matter what form of the game it is, right? And, and I suppose that's a good message for all cricketers at all levels. If, if you're struggling a bit, then keep to the basics because you can control them a bit more. Yeah, I, I like yeah, saying well, that well, a lot. We're always we're always telling our guys: you know, your job as a batsman is
0: not to survive; your job is to score runs. So find it, find it, find the best way you can to score runs. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to score them all in you know twenty five minutes. You know you might might take five and a half hours to score your runs, but just find a way to score runs. You know, you go out there, be positive. Um, once you're positive in attitude, you you leave the ball better when four day cricket. Your your feet move better, and once your feet are moving, you you're able to score runs in. You know, in pretty good time. So it is. It's just basics. You know, I, I just I don't coach. You know, I'm, I'm happy for the guys to go and play the reverse sweeps and the the scoops and all the rest of it. I'm happy to see all that, but it's not going to win you too many games of cricket. Um, you know, the basics will win you more games of cricket. Do your basics mm-hmm. right, then you can. In a four day game, I've said to our players, you, you get 150, you can play any shot you like, and I won't I won't shout, I won't do anything. Play any shot you like once you get to 150. You know, so. The option, the the opportunity there to do it in a game. Just got to do what the team needs first. Once the team's in a good spot, you know, it either
2: we can't lose. Go and play any shot you like. Yeah,
1: yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, Sal, did you want to come in then? Yeah, so we'll move on to actually, it's due to the actual league itself, the MTCL, which obviously the podcast is about. Um, this year, the league did a fantastic job in getting lots of cricket played eventually, you know, from a season that looked like may end with no games at all. We had a full season, oh, sorry, we had a, um, a league season take place with winners and losers at the end of it. And what was positive this year, I think, was the amount of players from Middlesex who actually turned out for the club this year, which was excellent. And um, when watching the yep. T20 game, and there, I think there were six players playing who turned out for, for their club this season. So it was excellent to see that. It's, there's a couple of questions on this. I mean, in terms of player allocation, um, what's the kind of decision process behind where they go to in terms of their club-wise and how much cricket they actually pay for their clubs as well? And i just want to ask you another question, just move on from that as well, when you get the opportunity, will be about are they, what kind of what sort of feedback do you have, what systems do you have in place regarding the league itself? So do you have people watching games or do you get reports from players who are not signed, potentially who could maybe sit through the it and become you know part of the academy, for instance, or potentially even join the first half? The first team, sort of playing squad. Is there any sort of systems in place you have for that? Um, yeah, right. Getting back to your first point,
0: um, I'm I'm desperately keen for our players to buy back into club cricket. Um, mainly because uh, it it teaches you. Well, for me, the leagues uh, we call it club cricket back in Australia. Um, but they're the they're the teams. They're the games that gave you the opportunity to represent the the you know the state or the the county that you you're now representing so you need to give back to them uh, number one whether it's you know a, a bowler going back and playing as a batsman which we had a few guys do that this year um that's not my um restrictions on them that's that's medical that's coming from above that's coming from the ECB so we do have to adhere to that um plus you know we don't really want a bowler running in bowling twenty five overs on a Saturday afternoon or you know, 10 overs um, on a slightly damp pitch and tearing a hamstring if there's a, a game coming up starting on the, the Monday or the Tuesday. So that's they're the reasons why players play, but there are some restrictions on them. Um, I'm encouraging everyone to participate in club cricket if they're not involved with the Middlesex first team. Um, the only way that they won't will be a, a medical reason or uh, a reason that I give saying that we need to rest these guys for these matches coming up. So... They're the they're the protocols that are put in place. Um, You know, I I think that you know our players have been very well received when they have gone back um, to playing club cricket. I think the one thing that we can do, uh, and I need to talk to um, the the Middlesex League Committee or people who are in charge, that I think from now on we can't allocate players. I don't think allocation of players is right. I'd rather see our players play for the club that they're nearest to where they live. Um, and if they are, they're more they're more inclined to buy into what the club's trying to achieve, um, and not just through the summer months, but also through the winter months. And I think that just sets a, v- a better standard um, of great cricket. If you have four players playing at the one club and, then, and you're playing against the club the next week with no one, what a great opportunity for that club with no – you know – pro cricketer there to go and beat a team full of pros. I remember turning up playing, you know, club cricket against opposition that had three test players in it. You know, and I was a 15-, 16-year-old kid playing against test players. And you think, how good's this? I'm, I'm competing against – well, Norman Cowens came out and played and I was 16-year-old. And yeah. I remember batting against Norman Cowens, um, you know.
2: Middlesex land, but,
0: of course. Yeah. Middlesex lad, yeah, came mm. out and played in Brisbane. Played for Western Suburbs. Yeah. I was at Valleys, and I was lucky enough to make a hundred against him. I remember batting in a cap. I couldn't. My old man didn't didn't buy me a helmet. That's what my, that's what the bat was for, apparently. So, um, I remember <laughs> batting in A grade cricket with with a cap as a sixteen year old, pulling and hooking, the great Norman Cowan. So, we, everyone, it should just be an opportunity. So, people who say, so, oh, "Look, you can't play him because they've got two pros, and he's we've only got one, and we need another one in here." that's got to stop you know I think if if you're fair income about running your club um, and you have a, a great club culture you have a, a ground that promotes good cricket um, and decent people around obviously people will come and play you know so I just don't I just don't think the allocation works because you might get a guy one of the players who lives in say Finchley playing for Richmond um, and if he's if he's travelled back on Thursday, um, you know he's been in been in training on Friday, missed out on a game, and then has to get in his car and drive forty five minutes to an hour and a half. I know it sounds petty to the to the league cricketer. I know it sounds petty, but if it's only a ten minute drive or a, a twenty minute drive rather than a forty five minute to an hour and a half, anything in London could could happen. You know, it could be a two hour trip for you know a normal normal trip. Um, you know, players are going to be less likely to want to play, and if someone turns up and they don't want to play, that it, it's it's a car crash waiting to happen. So, you know, I'm I'm all for, you know, playing playing our players, but I think we just need to let them, you know, choose their club. Um, and some guys have been playing at a club for a long time, and then all of a sudden next year they're they're playing at somewhere else, and you know that's that's not that's not what club cricket should be. You should be there playing with your mates, having fun. And you know, winning games of cricket for that for that club. And if you if you're still in promotion relegation, if your team gets uh, you know relegated, go and play for that club the following year and try and get them back in into the top flight. Try and get them promoted. Don't just jump well, ship Steve, and play Steve, in another first yeah, Steve, first Steve division
2: plays for Stanmore and uh, you know Stanmore not in the top flight this year so yeah. um, you know he didn't so that, that's a great example of that isn't it I mean for the record um, the best beers at Twickenham so if any of the players are persuaded by such <laughs> things then I guarantee you we'll get them the best beer at Twickenham I'm sure that's high up your list of criteria for allocating players as well um, well it's, not about, it's not about the
0: beer mate it's not about the beer it's of about course. drinking the beer after and discussing cricket it's not about just beer okay but
2: I, I can live with that a too. good
0: beer does help <laughs>
2: Totally understand, I think that's really interesting, and I think that goes against the um, in terms of what you said about allocations, there'll be a fair few people in the league who, who don't like hearing that. Um, and I, I think, um, I, I suspect you're well aware of that, but I think that ultimately you've got to have open conversations about these things and know where you stand. So, hopefully, anyone listening to this pod will, will, will know where Middlesex is and we'll will move forward with that because it's great having these players playing, as you say, you know, the challenge of scoring. You know, scoring fifty runs when Steve Finn's coming at you. I mean, you yeah, know, what a challenge. You got one hundred and twenty five mm. test, ric- test wickets crying out loud. You know, What a great day that would be if you scored fifty against him. So yeah, I, I can hear the line on that one.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the way that's the way the club's got to look at it. You know, don't look at it as a it's a negative. What a challenge. What a great opportunity. And it just promotes promotes better cricket in, in the in the region, you know. And if if the the committee don't agree with it and don't like it and say, no, we're not doing that, we're going to relegation. Well, the, the easy option is then to say, okay, well, no Middlesex player will be able to play. And that's not, what, that's not what we want either. You know, we don't want that. We want we want our players playing league cricket, but we want them to play at the club that they choose rather than being told they got to play somewhere else. So we've got to listen to the players. Um, we've got to come to some sort of compromise and, you know, be man enough to move on with it.
2: Oh, I hear you. I mean, I think that's going to be an ongoing, an ongoing conversation, but, but they all are, really, on these conversations. They're always ongoing. Um, one other question I had about the league, is there any, any advice you'd give players who are, who've who got a bit of ability? They're looking at Cracknell. They're looking at some of the young guys who've come through in the last few years. What, what sort of yep. things would you say to them? So obviously, keep going, keep scoring your runs, keep taking your wickets. But is there anything in particular you'd advise them? Yeah, be, be, be a great human.
0: Um, you know, don't don't um don't just come in and play your cricket and think that that's going to be enough, you know. Look at your character. You know what can you do around the club? You, you mentioned guys like Joe Cracknell, Ethan Bamber, uh, Luke Holman. They all play at the same club. Um yep. And you have got Max Harris as well, who's who's in our academy. Um, and they're down. They're down helping the club out. Luke Holman goes down and rolls the rolls the pitch. You know, Joe Cracknell does the same. Ethan Bamber, you know, they're they're always down the club helping you know, the club uh, in some way, whether it's, you know, painting a sight screen or, you know, cleaning out the sheds or whatever it might be. Um, they're down there doing that. Um, so young kids, you know, it's not just about scoring runs and taking wickets. Um, and scoring runs, by the way, too, isn't scoring 40 and thinking you should be playing international cricket. Let's start scoring hundreds. Joe Cracknell yep. scored a lot of runs last year in in the league. Um, he got multiple hundreds. Uh, Luke Holman does it year in, year out. Uh, and if he's not getting hundreds, he's not out winning games of cricket. So that's why those guys stand out because they're, they're not only young, uh, middle-sex boys, but they're also performing. Um, they're winning trophies. And, you know, if they're not winning trophies, they're they're fighting hard to, to do so. So as a young kid, yeah, your, your dream might be to play international cricket. Um, not too many people get to do it. The ones that do are special, um, talent-wise, but... More so, they're, they're pretty good human beings. You know, they, they will do what the team needs. They will do what the club needs. Um, they'll go out of their way to help other people before they look after themselves. And, you know, if you're doing that, um, if you're looking after other people, you're looking after yourself, um, you know, everything's going to start, you know, climbing. Score your runs, take your wickets, win the games of cricket for your club. All of a sudden, you start going up the ladder. And I, I'd like to be able to think in five years' time that, you know, middlesex, Premier League. We can we can walk around and see a kid who scored you know five hundreds for the season. Get him in and play second team cricket the next year to give him an opportunity, rather than just wholly and solely rely on the the academy um, system, which is working brilliantly, It's producing all these young cricketers. Um, but those guys who are eighteen to twenty one year old who may have missed out on an opportunity, they're scoring big runs or taking wickets in league cricket. Um, hopefully, they stand out and. You know, we can uh, we can bring them in to
2: give them an opportunity. Makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. Sal, did you want to come in there? No, someone actually, I just want to actually just answer the questions, too. I was going to ask you about, you know, is there systems in place where you might look at sort of stats or look at look at guys who are scoring, you're undertaking wickets and they're not in the books of the sex and is there pathways? Obviously, you just mentioned that. So that's good to hear, actually, for people out there who may slip through the net for one reason or another and, you know, are still predominantly performing well week in, week out for the club. So that's a refreshing thing to hear, I'm sure, for players out there who who are still budding cricketers who want to become, you know, first-class players. So that's, that's very refreshing to hear. It's good.
0: And, and so, I mean, you know, we've got we got people, young men, they they grow up different ages. Uh, you know, it sounds funny, but they mature at different, no, different right. times. Yeah, um, And, you know, some kids who are great at 12 years of age and they get into a system, this happens in Australia, um, and it happened pretty close to my heart, it happened to my son, you know, players get selected from the age of 12. And by by 16, they're either playing AFL football or they're not even playing cricket. You know, so how do you know someone at 12 years of age is going to be the finished article come 16, 17, 18? You know, you don't know. You know, you've got to, and vice versa. If someone hasn't been recognised in age groups from 12 to 18, but 16 to 18, they're starting to come good. They're not involved in any program. How do you know? How do you know that they're not going to make it? So, you know, I think everyone's got to have an opportunity. Um, but the opportunities won't go to everybody, obviously. They'll go to the guys who are scoring hundreds, winning games, taking five as winning games for their clubs. Um, and that's, that's got to be it. Your currency is as a batsman is runs. Your, your currency is the as a bowler is wickets and, um, you know, not many runs. That's your currency and that's what you've got to stick to. And guys who are doing that in years to come, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll will, We'll stick stick head in and have a look.
2: Sounds logical to me. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot, we, we, this is fascinating stuff. We, we've gone on for uh, – getting on for 45 minutes now, but we always end our, um, our winter podcast with a quick fire round. Ten questions. Um, Deeply philosophical questions, as you're soon about to hear. Um, all, all I'll say. Yeah, a is, bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see where this is going. Um, no, all I say is the first answer you think of is the right answer. That's that, that's what all I'll say on this. Now, we, so we have got ten questions. I'll kick off. To be honest, I, I, I've sort of already you've already answered this one, and you are given the right answer, as, as as will become obvious when I ask the question. Rugby league, or that that weird game where they just kick it out the ground and everyone claps. Union, I think it's sometimes called. No. So legal union. Yeah, there's only one. Rugby League. Correct answer. Brilliant. We can move
1: on, Sal. your <laughs> <laughs> favourite ground to play at or or actually, you know, yeah, play at, actually. Um, the Gabba or the MCG?
0: Oh, Gabba all day long. Gabba.
1: No, I've got, I've got hey. another question on that one. So the MCG,
2: no, I've never been to Australia, I'll be honest. So I've never seen either of those grounds. But the MCG is clearly massive. On Boxing Day, the MCG, the Gabba still wins out, does it? Or...
0: Well, Gabba always will always win. Um, Melbourne and Victorians have a particular dislike for me. Uh, I remember warming up at, on the on the boundary edge uh, about to play a game for Australia, and these little so and so's on the other side of the fence. Hey, law your shit! So, um, no, oh, nice. Gabba all day long, mate. Yeah, Fantastic. Gabba all day long.
2: <laughs> Great stuff. Number three, then. Um, IPL or Big Bash? Uh Big bash for me. Can I ask why it's a great tournament, I have to say. It's brilliant.
0: I think they've both gone on far too long, but you know, look, I I just I, I resonate better with the, uh, the Australian grounds, the Australian Australian players.
1: Seems fair enough to me. Yeah. Sal, number four. Okay, so Stu, you've obviously played some big, big games and you know, big occasions in your career. Um I'm just trying to pink pick out two moments which might have been quite nervy for you. So the first one was uh, World Cup semi-final against West Indies when you were fifteen before, and you're facing Ambrose Bishop and Walsh on what was a bouncy track, <laughs> or or making a day before Littleborough Cricket Club in Lancashire League. <laughs> <laughs> think long um, and hard about this one, you Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I tell you what, um, play, representing Australia in a World Cup semi-final, you might have think was daunting, but you know it's what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, to me, walking out at well, I walked out at three for seven, so I had a bit of the, uh, you know, a bit of a shake and butterflies in the stomach. But walking out to bat for Littleborough on a on a sticky dog, freezing cold up in the the the, the hills near Rochdale, um, <laughs> against God knows whoever it was, um, knowing that if you didn't score fifty runs, take five wickets, and or well, sorry, hundred runs in those days, five wickets and win the game, you you weren't very good, according to the locals. Um, you're under more pressure up there, believe me. <laughs> the Lancashire Leagues are brilliant, aren't they? They're a great institution. Oh, yeah, They are fantastic, mate. And some of the stories I could tell you about, you know, you, you don't – I remember one year I scored more runs and took more wickets than the previous year and we, we didn't win a final. We didn't – we came second in the league and got knocked out in the semi and I was the worst pro in the world. Um, and I'd, <laughs> I'd score more runs and taken more wickets than the year before when we won everything. So no, it's a Rubbish, very fickle yeah. but um, great fun. I love it. I loved it. Still Go up there every every opportunity now to catch up with the same blokes who are sitting in the same stools drinking the same beer. Hilarious, marvelous, great
2: stuff! Great stuff. Uh, number five, now, there's sort of two angles to this one, right? If you had to pick one of these bowlers to face, who would it be? And if you had to pick one of these bowlers to be on your team, who would it be? And you could probably guess which two bowlers we're going to go for here Shane Warne or Morelli? Um, well, it depends on where we're playing. If we're playing in
0: you know, playing in Australia. Um, we didn't mind facing Shane Warne uh, in Sheffield Shield cricket, uh, Merrill in those days, no one knew which way it was going um, very hard to pick um, so it's a tough one mate, Shane Warne's probably the best leg spinner of all time Merrill um, the highest wicket taker um, I'd say play with Shane Warne um, purely because of his attacking mindset and never say die belief and uh, and play against Murali because always a great challenge against the mystery of uh, you know the wrist spin, which is supposed to be finger spin, but it's actually wrist spin. So play play with Warney, play against Murali. And you did score a couple of tons against Murali in one match, right? Is that right? Yeah, I did for Essex two not out hundreds yeah. in the championship game, and it was funny. I'll tell you a story about that. We had a um, we had a team meeting the night before batting meeting. Um, and the instructions from management was we've got to sweep everything. And I went, well, hang on, no. I played international cricket against Marulli. I've spoken to him. Don't ever sweep him. He wants you to sweep because he gets so much, uh, so many revolutions on the ball, so much overspin. It bounces so much. Playing at Old Trafford, where a normal off spinner was hitting you in the chest. Um, so sweeping's pretty hard to do. I was the only one who didn't sweep Marulli. I got two not out hundreds, so I think I was pretty well right um, <laughs> not to follow the instructions of uh, the team management at that time. One nil law,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> great stuff. Um, Sal, okay, so myself and Dan have never experienced this, so we're open for invites next season if we get a full season in. What's um, what's the, the favourite at Lord's lunch or tea? And we we'll be happy oh, with mate, either.
0: Seriously, yes. Jesus man, I, I would be too. Um, it depends on which day it is. Sometimes they have steak Saturday or steak Sunday, um, or Sunday is normally a roast as well. So, mate, look. Any any meal at Lords is special. Um, Probably not good for, not conducive to playing good cricket afterwards. Um, More conducive to lying down on the couch and having a sleep. But um, no, lunch has got to be. Everyone looks forward to a Lord's lunch.
2: Just a really consistent message as well, Stu. Everybody we've asked about this has said that they're off the radar. They're brilliant. So um, oh yeah, yeah, best in the world. Fantastic. We'll just, just book us in. Watch we'll stuff. get us booked in one day. Hopefully, Sam. You yeah. never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep asking. We'll, we'll DM you, Stu. Yeah, we'll DM you. Yeah, we'll be in. Yeah,
0: we yeah um, we might even uh, we might even pull out the the red wine for you too, mate. We'll ask a few I'll, questions. I will be
2: asleep. Yeah. <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> um, right, seven. We're getting towards the end. Don't worry. Um, which which one is higher in your list here? One hundred and ten in a ODI against Zimbabwe, or man of the match in the NatWest Trophy final for Essex? Oh, uh, it's Hundred and ten, only my only international hundred yep. against
0: a you know, pretty decent Zimbabwe side. You know, Essex holds a great place in my heart, but you know, first international hundred, um, I got me yep. of the match in that game yep. as well. So uh, got the chocolates in both, mate. So
2: thank you. Superb. People forget though, being serious, that Zimbabwe twenty years ago serious outfit. East Street coming in off his long run, and and you know the flower. Andy Flower bat in there. The, 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 these boys were serious players, and of course, it's easy yep. to forget the younger lads don't know this do today they? because they they know a difference in bad way.
0: No, that's right. Yeah, you know Edo Brandis as well was a you know big rough tough Brandis, yeah. Know, yeah
2: chicken, chicken farmer.
0: farmer who bowled fast. Mm. Um, saw the light, mate. Moved to Queensland, so he's a he's a good bloke now. Um, but yeah, they, they, were,
1: they were they
0: were pretty good, mate. They were better than good. Yep. They beat they beat a lot of teams they shouldn't have and. You know they they punch well above their weight, so they were a good side. They, they were bloody yeah. great that day too, mate. They were swinging them and seaming them everywhere. It was oh was hard yeah. to bat. I'm
2: sure they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember well. They 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 are out of They beat England enough times. Crikey, I remember that? Yeah, they so, did. Um, yeah, they loved doing that. Yeah, <laughs> became a became
1: a habit. Um, Sal, over mm. to you. <laughs> Obviously, you mentioned you know many man of the match awards. You've scored hundreds. You've captained your your you know your state side to championships. But I think there's two awards that you've got which are pretty distinguishing, amazing achievements. Of these two, which one stands out the most for you? So you, I've heard you won medal of the order for Australia, and yep. also voted one year as Wisdom's five cricketers of the year. Which one of those two would you say you know holds a place in your heart the most? Wow! So oh. that's a
2: ph- phenomenal hit list of, of of gongs. That's super impressive <laughs> stuff.
0: Wow. Well, it was, it was actually weird. the The order of Australia, which you know, I didn't really know too much about, to be honest. Um, you know, Queensland put me forward when I was overseas. So I didn't really know too much about it. Um, I knew a lot about the uh, the Wisden, you know, cricket of the year, and to to be amongst your peers um, and being you know selected as one of the five best cricketers in the world that year was, I think that's pretty special to me. That's that's got to that's got to tip the boat. I'll tip, tip, uh, tip the scales in my favour that way. I'd go the uh, who, Wisdom Cricketer of the Year. Who were the other four? Can you remember, Stuart, off the top of your head? Mate, I think it was. Um, I think Graham Thorpe was on it. Um, oh, okay. Might have been yeah. Maddie Maynard. Um, oh, right, yeah. And two, Australians, two, two Australians, Stuart.
1: Two Australians, yep. Yeah. One more.
0: Matthew Elliott. Uh, uh, Glenn McGrath.
1: That's the one. Well done. Five yeah. out of five.
0: Is that it? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, That's first one. time we've got top marks in any any sort of questions, mate. <laughs> happy happy days. Super hit
2: list cricketers. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, number nine. No, pretty proud to be amongst those guys. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, number nine. Now, changing it, changing it down a little bit. We we interviewed um, Luke Coleman and Joe Cracknell. On, on this pod, or oh, when was it, hmm. Sal? So, April time, maybe? March, April? When it, whenever it was yeah, in the
1: winter. Back, yeah, around lockdown started, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's pretty clear that, that you know, that they're, they're, they're quite quite entertaining characters. Um, and certainly they're known around right the league as being quite entertaining <laughs> characters. So, w- w- which, which one's the bigger comedian in the dressing room, Holman or Cracknell? Or are they still a bit young to really have found their way into that role? But I'm, I'm, I can't imagine they are. You know, they seem to me to be quite up and at them and good guys.
0: Yeah, no, they're. they're... They're pretty shy around the the big boys around the okay. the number one team, but um they they do offer plenty of humour, um whether they like to or not. <laughs> um but I'd say right now for either acts of stupidity un, unwittingly <laughs> very funny is Luke Holman. Marvellous. <laughs> the sloth we we call him at the moment. We call him the sloth, but no, wonderful, wonderful young man, and you know he's got a bright future ahead of himself. Joey Cracknell, you know, love them both. They're they're bloody cracking young men, and you know, a real, a real, um, you know, real privilege to actually see them get out there and play decent cricket this year. It was great, great to watch. Great.
2: So, well, whereas you know, jobbing, jobbing sort of cricketers in the league, Sal and I are always you know really pleased to see see these young guys come through. It's it's really great for for us as well, but in a completely mm. different way. It's just you know very nice to see these guys make the progress that they have. Mm. No,
1: it's it's re- it's refreshing. Super. Sal, last one, number ten. Yeah, and also just on that point, quickly, you, not only are they still giving back to the clubs like you mentioned, Stu. They're actually both from state schools in London, which is quite a rare thing, really, these days for players to sort of come through and make it to the game. So you know, they're definitely positive role models for any young player out there who's you know thinking of obviously becoming a cricketer. So yeah, great, great show. Amen. Out to... Amen. They they
0: good, okay, so the good people last... there.
1: They are they're very great, great lads. As I said we had them on the podcast, great value. So the last one's actually not a simple answer. It's gonna be a bit of a one for you to think about a bit of a head scratcher. Um so if you could sign any pass player from Middlesex, who would it be? Ricky Ponting. Okay. And reasons? He's good. Uh, well <laughs> <Yeah>. he's, <laughs> he's <laughs> be,
0: well he's better than good. Yeah, he um, is, Absolutely. but he, he scored runs in, in tough conditions. He we're looking for a character to you know puff their chest up. Um, look look forward to having a fight each afternoon and on the cricket field, you know, with a bat in hand. Not fisty cuffs, but punter doesn't go too bad in that department either, trust me. Um No, just, just for his sheer batsmanship, his the deep thinking and his toughness. We we need that uh desperately and you know, not, not slagging off our boys, but if they had a role model of that to follow, I'm sure we'd we'd pick up a few uh few extra runs here and there from everybody. But yeah, punter for
2: me. You know what, as well, Steve, I mean, obviously, we, I, you know, we, we we watch a lot of cricket on, on Sky, Sal and I, and, and the various networks that show it, and and Punter, as a commentator, he is phenomenal. He gives value added all the time, and when um, the famous Stokes innings at Headingley, Punter's commentary on that day and his, his, his analysis of things that were happening right in front of him was, was way beyond mm. much of the rest that we, we, we were listening. And it's not that Sky are bad, I don't think. I think they offer great commentary, but Punter was taking a, Upper level, and we don't hear Ricky Ponting comment that much in the UK, obviously because he's based in Australia. But he, he was brilliant, I have to say. He was he was super. So great value added, um, you know, in yeah in that sense.
0: No, and the way the way he does think about it, he, he thinks about it completely differently to everybody else. And you know, he, he sees things happening. Um, you know, we, to, let's go back to rugby league. There was a guy called Wally Lewis played mm-hmm. years and years ago for Queensland. Um, what, probably the greatest player that's ever laced on a boot. They always said that he he could see what was happening four plays ahead of everybody else, yep. and I think Ricky's the same. He, he can see things happening four balls ahead, or four overs ahead, um, you know, four sessions ahead. Um, he's he, he reads the game and understands the game that well. Um, you know, he, he makes a he makes a good point every time he he opens his mouth, and when he does, people sit up and listen. Yep. So, no, he's he was a champion. I was lucky enough to play with him. Um, you know, unfortunately, played against him a few times as well. He was he was a tough competitor and. Really enjoyed, um, you know, what he brought to the table as uh, as an outstanding cricketer and a great bloke as well. Yeah.
2: Well, I think to give an example of that very quickly: fifteen runs away from victory uh, in that famous Test match at Headingley, where Stokes batted so well, and one of the Aussie fast bowlers reviewed an LBW call that was never out, and I could see why he reviewed mm. it. He was desperate, but Punter straight away said, "What are you doing? That's an awful review. You might need that." And of course. Um, Lion, mm. I think it was Lion, absolutely had one that was stoned dead. Yeah, Lion good wasn't given, no reviews left. Yep. And Punter called it yep. twenty minutes earlier. Yep. Yeah. And I just thought that's that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah, that's the that's the man, you know. And mind you, I think a lot of Australians were sitting there saying the same thing. What do you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in in the heat of the moment you you do you do crazy things and it was up to Tim Payne to, you know, make that final call. But there you go. Ricky, got it right yep. again. Absolutely. Didn't
2: get too many calls wrong, actually, old, old punter. I oh, was just a fantastic. I mean, you know, just, 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 just for, as an outsider, well, just a
0: toss at edge and I've got to say, in two thousand and five, <laughs> <laughs> he got that wrong. You
2: cannot get everything <laughs> right. Fair play to him. Brilliant stuff. No,
0: as as Warney keeps reminding him, yeah.
2: <laughs> Stew, we've we've overrun a bit here. We normally go for half an hour and well beyond that, but I think um, you know it's been great value. you you come up with a whole host of things that we may well pick up on in future podcasts. Um, all I'll say is, you know, hope the winter goes well. hope the boys uh, enjoy the the gruelling weeks that it sounds like they've got ahead of them and um, fingers crossed we can play some proper cricket in 2021 and COVID's a thing of the past, eh? Yeah, hey, man, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully, you know,
0: a incident-free pre-season and, you know, getting crack into the season. I just hope that everyone out there listening is, you know, safe and well and, you know, let's let's kick this thing into touch very quickly so we can get on with a normal life again. I'm sick and tired of it, so let's do all we can to
2: to get it right and start living properly. We are with you all the way,
1: all the way. Um, Sal, anything you want to throw in at the very end? No, I just want to thank that um, Stu for coming on. It's been a privilege having you on, and some great insights into obviously your career and obviously what you're doing now, and also the league itself. So I'm sure it make great this, and actually, and a, and a big thank you to Bob Baxter for actually arranging this and putting Stu in touch with us. So yeah, cheers, Bob, and Thanks again, Stuart. Great stuff.
2: No
0: boys, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It's been good fun. Thank you. Been a pleasure, fellas. Thanks very much.
1: Cheers guys. See ya. Bye.